Hello everyone, welcome to my kitchen. It's another Wednesday night and we're talking about perfect peace. You know, this world is uh, full of turmoil. Just this last week in the United States, we had that big Chinese spy balloon go all the way across the United States. Um, last Thursday, there were two police officers, St. Louis uh, police officers shot. Um, the week last week, there was just a deadly winter storm uh, with uh, a lot of power outages and, and several people passed away. Um, uh, icy weather throughout the country. And then there was a catastrophic earthquake in Turkey on Monday. And lots of turmoil, lots of reasons to be upset or be full of anxiety or full of fear. But did you know that God wants you to live in perfect peace? In the middle of all this that's going on or whatever is going on in your life, God wants you to live in perfect peace. In Isaiah 26, 3, in the King James Version, Isaiah 6, 20, 26, 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So when we fix our mind, when we focus our mind, when our mind is thinking about the Lord and we trust in the Lord, we'll be in perfect peace. In that same scripture, Isaiah 26, verse 3, in the Amplified Version, it says, You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclinations and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. So when our mind is focused on the Lord, when we're leaning on him, when we're putting our trust in him, our confidence in him, our hope in him, we will have perfect peace. So the Bible says that God himself will give you peace, will keep you in peace, will protect you with peace, perfect peace when your mind is focused on him. Uh, we started this last week, so we're going to continue it this week. So God's peace will guard your heart and mind when you pray, when you give thanks, when you think upon the Lord and his promises and put his word into practice. And we can see that in Philippians 4, verse 5. In the NIV, it says, Philippians 4, verse 5, it says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then verse 7, and because you've done all that, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then it, on verse 8, it tells us more. It says, uh, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, <coughs> think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So the Bible tells us so much, gives us so many clear um, instructions or, or guidelines or a pathway to having perfect peace in our life and not being full of anxiety or fear or turmoil. We just focus on the Lord. 
And, and the reason um, focusing on the Lord will give us perfect peace is because we know that he loves us and he'll take care of us and that we're in his plan. So keeping our mind and thoughts on the Lord will build faith in us. It'll squeeze out anxiety and fear. It will give us peace and it will enable God to work on your behalf as we've seen in these scriptures. So uh, these scriptures have said, said that we need to have our mind focused on the Lord. Um, we need to be thinking about the Lord, but, but that's kind of an easy thing to say, but you might not know what that means. So what can we think, be thinking about, about the Lord? <laughs> I'm going to share some things about God um, in the next few weeks that will help you focus on him, will help you think about him, will help you ponder who he is and uh, why knowing about him and thinking about, about him can bring you peace. The first thing is that God does not change. God does not change. Um, you see the attributes of God that we are going to be talking about in the next few uh, weeks, those attributes are always there. They've always been there. They're there now, and they always will be there. He does not change. He doesn't change in my circumstances. He doesn't change in your circumstances. He doesn't change in your life or in mine. He is the same. He's the same in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, He's the same now, and he's the same in the future. You know, uh, men and women change, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, but God's not like humans. He does not change. You know, we can find great comfort and peace in knowing that all of God's promises to mankind have not changed. His love for us has not changed. His character has not changed. In Malachi 3, 6, that's in the Old Testament, says, I, the Lord, do not change. Another word for this, uh, that he doesn't change, is called immutability. So his character doesn't change. His promises cannot change. His will cannot change. In Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's, he's the same. The things that he promised us in the Bible all, all those many years ago, those same promises are true today. His same character is true. So the, thing, the wonderful things I'm going to share about the Lord, who he was, who he is, uh, what he'll be like in the future, that will never change, and you can count on that. Okay, the second thing I'm going to tell you about God is that God is all-powerful. And a word that describes that is omnipotence. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He has unlimited power and authority. Did you know that no one can exercise authority or power over God? But there are a few things that God cannot do. He can't lie. He can't violate his word. And that doesn't mean that he's not all powerful. It means that his power is determined or backed by his character and that's a really awesome and wonderful thing. So we can see God's power, his all-powerful nature, how, how much power he has in creation. In Jeremiah 32, 17, Jeremiah 32, 17, in the NIV, it says, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched harm. Nothing is too hard for you. 
So if we just look at creation, and if we really think about it, we can see God's wonderful, wonderful power. We can look at the galaxies, the skies, the universe, the galaxies. I don't know if you've ever looked uh, at the NASA photos. You can just uh, uh, type it into Google, NASA photos, and it'll take you to the NASA website. And it is astonishing what's in the universe, what's in the skies above us, what's in the galaxies. Uh, the way our solar system works, the the gravitational pulls and the orbits, it's just, and, the, and Pastor Terry has taught about the signs in the stars, how the stars actually tell the story of redemption. So we can see that God is all powerful by looking at the universe. And then we can look at the human body. Oh my gosh, how it works, how it functions, how it repairs itself, how the nervous system works or the skeletal system or the digestive system or the endocrine system, any system in our body, how it works is totally amazing. If you look at uh, uh, anything on the earth, your human body or our plants or animals, and look at the microscopic uh, functions of the cells and the DNA and the mitochondria and all that, and how all that works, that shows that we have an all-powerful God. We can look at the planet, the mountains, the hills, the deserts, the prairies, the lakes, the oceans, the waterfalls, and all the variety of vegetation, uh, flowers, shrubs, trees, cactus, and all the plants that God gave us to eat. And then we can look at the creatures on the earth. My goodness, the creatures in the rivers and the lakes and the oceans and the sky and on land, and how different and varied and, and unusual some are. It's just amazing how all-powerful God is. And we also see God's power when we, when we um, think about stories in the Bible, how God rescued his people from Egypt. In all the mighty signs he showed Pharaoh, in the parting of the Red Sea, in the manna from heaven, and the, the water coming out of the rock to quench the Israelites' thirst, in the burning bush and in God uh, writing the law on the tablets of stone, oh, we can see his mighty power. Oh, we can see God's mighty power when he rescued the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace and Daniel, Daniel from the lion's den. We can see God's mighty power in Jesus Christ. He was filled with that power. In Acts 10.38, Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went, went around, around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We can see here that Jesus is full of power and the power that God has, the power that God has uh, placed in Jesus Christ is more powerful than anything the devil can do. We saw God's power, his mighty all-powerful nature when he raised Jesus from the dead. In Ephesians 1.18, Ephesians 1.18, it says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened uh, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power, see, there's that word power, for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him and his right hand in the heavenly realms, 
far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Do you see how much of God's all-powerful nature has benefited mankind? Uh, I talked about creation. Oh, that's so much for the benefit of mankind and for, for our pleasure and for our sustenance. And then what he did with Jesus Christ, raising him from the dead, he did that for us. He used that wonderful power and he gave that gift to us. And we also see God's power come upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost to become mighty witnesses for him. And his power, that powerful, is available for you today. God wants you filled with his power so you can be wonderful witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and God has given uh, Christians a measure of his power. Uh, it says in Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power and, and in his mighty power. God wants you to be strong in the power, the mighty power that he has. So the reason he wants us to do that is so we can put on the full armor of God and we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. So God's all-powerful nature is, God is all-powerful and he has used that power in great and wonderful ways to be a blessing to us, to help us, to redeem us, and to give us a powerful life and to help us spread the news of the gospel. The next thing is that God is all-knowing. God knows everything. He's omniscient. Uh, all, omniscience means that you know everything, That and God is the only one that is omniscient. God knows all, and he knows everything. There is nothing that goes on in the, in the universe that God does not know about. There's nothing in our lives, in our hearts, and in our minds that God does not know about. Uh, in Psalm 139.1, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Isn't that awesome? God knows you intimately. He knows all about you. He knows everything about you. He knows the thoughts that are in your heart and in your mind. He knows when you're going to say that nasty thing about somebody and you decided to keep your mouth shut. He knows that you have a tender heart towards people. And he knows the places that maybe you're having, struggling to forgive people or things that you're angry about. God knows all that's in your heart and mind. You know, in the New Testament, it talks about a couple named Ananias and Sapphira that they sold a part, portion of land and they uh, led the apostles to believe that they were given that whole amount to, to the church community and they were lying about their offering. And God knew about that. He knew that in the Old Testament, a man named Gehazi, he was lying about money also. He knew and knows the spiritual condition of the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation. He, know, he knows all about it, and he listed all about it in the book of Revelation. He knows our thoughts and our intentions, the intentions of our heart. And you know what? He still loves us. He still loves us. Um, I think we've all had re really bizarre things go through our minds, uh, sometimes 
things that aren't too uh, pleasant go through our minds and our hearts, but God loves us anyway. He loves us so much and he provides forgiveness for us. Um, another thing, a wonderful thing about God being all knowing is that he knows the past, the present and the future. And in knowing all that he planned for our redemption He planned for our forgiveness. He planned for the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away our sins. He planned for the building of the church and he planned for us in eternity. And that's so awesome. That's so reassuring. And that will give us peace, knowing that God is all-knowing. In Ephesians 3, 6, in the NLT Bible, it says, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles, (coughs) excuse me, and Jews who believe in the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. See, when we belong, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we put our trust in him, we uh, have all the blessings, all the promises of all the blessings because we belong to him. And then in verse 10, it says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom. Excuse me. I had to get a drink. <laughs> God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authority, authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So God knew the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He knew what was going to happen. And he had an eternal plan to provide Jesus Christ for us and for our redemption. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And you know, this is a really uh, uh, frequently quoted scripture. But when God was saying that, the Israelites, the people of, of God were just getting ready to enter 70 years of captivity. Um, It wasn't going to be a nice thing. It wasn't going to be a pleasant thing. Um, They were going to enter this captivity because they were rebellious and they, they were uh, worshiping other gods. They were not doing good things. And so things were going downhill for them and they were going downhill fast and they were going to be in captivity for 70 years. But God, knowing the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, gave them this promise that he has plans for them. He has plans to prosper them and to not harm them, to give them a hope and a future. And he says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So this is a really good scripture to know that God, your life is in God's hands He uh, is watching out for you. He uh, knows what's going on. And so I just encourage you, if you're struggling through a hard time, or if you know you're getting ready to enter a really hard time, that God has a plan. He has a plan to prosper you. 
and not harm you. And uh, when we call upon him, when we, when we focus on him, when we put our trust in him, when our, all of our hope is in him, we will have perfect peace in the midst of a storm. So I want to encourage you um, to have peace in your hearts because God does not change. He is all powerful and he is all knowing. So next week, next Wednesday, we're going to talk about some more things about the Lord. And as we uh, study these things and learn these things about the Lord, I'm trusting that God's word is true and it will give you peace. We'll uh, talk to you next week. And if you have never put Jesus Christ uh, as your Lord and Savior, if you have never put your faith in him as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to do that. He loves you. He has a plan for you and he wants to redeem you. And what does that mean? He wants to save you from hell and he wants to save you from all the bad things the devil has planned for you on this earth. So repent of your sins. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Bye-bye.